We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit for the last several weeks, uh, and uh, that comes from Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, and then in verse six, uh, 22, it begins to describe the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there's no law. Now, there was a law against the deeds of the flesh, but there's not a law. We can, we can practice all the goodness, all the joy we want. We are to produce this fruit in our lives. Uh, and, and when we do, there will be a characteristic of God in us. We will look more and more like God because these qualities actually describe the Spirit, describe God. Uh, we've looked at these lessons, you know, we spent several weeks in love and joy and peace and patience. Last week we looked at kindness, and so today, goodness. And as we talk about goodness, the first thing we do is remember that God uh, is good and that we need to look like God, to imitate God. In fact, we are told very specifically to try or to imitate God Act like, be like, look like, practice the things that God does. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Chapter, or third John, chapter 1, verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whatever, or whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And so we develop these divine qualities in our lives. And our character then begins to look like the character of God. And God is good. In fact, uh, I don't have this slide, uh, but back over in Exodus chapter 33 and 34, when he is showing himself to Moses, one of the things that Moses sees is goodness. Uh, he sees that uh, manifestation of the glory of God, which is described as goodness. And we use that word all the time, goodness, but sometimes it's uh, hard to def actually define words that we use just every day. And goodness might be one of those. Well, what does goodness actually mean? And so the dictionary says, goodness is that which is both upright and honorable as combined with and tempered by generosity. And the idea there is that if we have uprightness, uh, but we don't have a spirit of love, our uprightness might become harsh uh, and judgmental. And so our righteousness, our uprightness, our integrity needs to be tempered with a spirit of love and, and kindness and uh, generosity. But generosity that doesn't have a spirit of uprightness or doesn't have high standards, uh, will lead to no integrity. Uh, and it will not achieve any long-lasting benefit, but instead will probably be more evil. God is good. He is characterized always with good. And there are numerous passages that relate to us the goodness of God and how He dealt goodly, or with goodness, to the people of Israel, uh, to the people of the world, to us. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 
23 and 24. Remember, Lamentations, and we read that in our daily Bible readings not long ago. Uh, Jeremiah is lamenting the fate of Israel because of their sin and their being taken into Babylonian captivity. But he still remembers God is good. Lamentations 3, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good. His steadfast love, it never ends. It will always be. The Lord is good. He has mercy always. Uh, He never stops being merciful, not treating us like we deserve, but instead treating us from His goodwill. The Lord is good. He gives us mercies every day, new mercies. He starts every day is a new start for us. The Lord is good. He will always be faithful to His promises. We don't have to question whether or not He will be faithful. He will be faithful. The Lord is good. We can wait on His goodness. It will always come. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to question, wonder, will God be good to us tomorrow? Yes, He will. The Lord is good. We can wait on His salvation. We don't have to look for some other source of strength, some other source of salvation, some other hope. God's strength, God's salvation will be there. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, God is good and merciful. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, His faithfulness to all generations. His mercy will last forever. His mercy, His goodness is gracious. Psalm 145, verse 8 through 10. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, the Lord is good to all. And His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. So everything in this world gives praise and honor to God, or is supposed to, because He is good He is gracious and He gives His love always. He is gracious and kind, patient and merciful. The Lord's mercy is evident through the works that He has made in this world. And the Lord's goodness is giving. Generous. His goodness can be seen in everything that He has done. Not just for we who are faithful, but for everyone. His goodness in this world spreads around the globe. James 1 verse 17, For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who uh, with whom there is no variation or shadow to change. God gives His goodness in this world to every person who is in this world. Everything that is good comes from God. Not everybody realizes that the good that's here is from God, but it is. Were it not for God, there'd be nothing good in this world. There'd be nothing kind in this world. There'd be nothing of value in this world. All that is good comes from God. All that is perfect 
comes from God. He is constant. He is never failing. There's no shadow, no inconsistency, no variation. God is good. And God's goodness is forgiving. And oh, we are so thankful for that. That in God's goodness, He forgives and forgives again. He wants every one of us to be saved. He wants every one of us to have a relationship with Him. John 3, 16, 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. God wants us to have a relationship with Him. He wants us to be saved. He wants each one of us to have eternal life. And He has taken the steps to reach out and make that possible. God's love is forgiving. In fact, Peter would write that God delays judgment so that you and I might have the opportunity. You and I are those that might be hesitating for whatever reason to commit themselves to God, to turn from sin. God waits, giving you another opportunity. This day then is given to us by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, to provide an opportunity for that one who as of yet has not made up his mind to follow the Lord. One more opportunity to follow. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, that all should reach repentance. This morning, there will be a time at the close of our activity, our service this morning, when you might respond if you would so desire. You might then make the decision today to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. God has given us this day. We don't have tomorrow promised. But God has given us this day so that each one of us might make that decision. And almost all of us have, but I know there are some here yet that remain in sin, remain separated from God. We talked about the goodness of God, but I think there's an example in Scripture of a person who is good, who might help us then, as we look at him, see how goodness might be in my life, in our life. That that is Barnabas. And we see Barnabas first in Acts chapter 4. Uh, uh, beginning at verse 34. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levi, native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas was generous. The goodness in this man said, there are people in need, I will help provide for their needs. It wasn't a selfish motive. He wasn't looking for any any praise or anything in return. He wanted to help those in need. That describes us. It really does. It describes so many of us. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we put together 
a $28,000 project and fed hungry kids around the world. Uh, Just last week, together, we prepared meals for children with special needs uh, in this city. People wanting generously to help those in need. Barmas did without an ulterior motive. You know, that's the same instance where Ananias and Sapphira gave also, but they lied about their gifts, saying they gave everything that they had when in fact they only gave part of it. Their motivation was evil. They were looking for glory among men, not to serve God and to serve the people of God. Goodness is generous without a hidden agenda. We see Barnabas again in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. This talk about Paul, uh, or still called Saul, who had persecuted the church. He attempted to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoke, uh, who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas helped was good with mercy and grace. He used his own credibility to help out a brother who was experiencing uh, some doubt, uh, who others uh, did not trust as of yet. Good Barnabas was a person of integrity and trustworthiness. And that integrity and trustworthiness was so secure among the church there that he was able to bring someone that everybody else was afraid of. But yet because of the goodness of Barnabas, they believed. Barnabas also served with gladness. Again, we look at him in Acts chapter 11, verse 22. The report of this, that is Christians uh, in Antioch, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So when the leaders of the church in Jerusalem heard that there were now Christians in Antioch, then they thought, we need to help serve that church there. And so they looked about among them and they found the good man Barnabas. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch to help that church, to minister at that church. They looked for a man full of faith and truth. And Barnabas had that character. Those are qualities of goodness. Barnabas displayed joy and gladness in that work. He was excited to be doing something good for the kingdom of God, serving the work of God. Son of encouragement. He encouraged that church. He taught the word of God there. says that a good number of people became Christians now because of the work, testimony, the preaching of Barnabas. He was a man full of faith, full of the Spirit of God. Barnabas 
was filled with God. We're going to be good. We need to be filled with God as well. We find good Barnabas again selected because of these good qualities from that same church in Antioch. Now that church has grown. They've got a number of people teaching. And we find the church wanting to reach out from this spirit of goodness to the world. And the one they choose is Barnabas. Acts chapter 13 verse 1 now. There were in the church at Antioch preachers and teachers, prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, the member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Barnabas worked for the Lord. In fact, this passage we read, uh, he was testified, uh, they testified about him as a man of faith and ministry. You know, a good person loves God, but a good person also loves people. If you're going to show the goodness of God, you've got to love people as well as God. Yeah, I think there's a lot of folks in this world today who think of themselves as good because they love God, but they just really don't like people. But we need to love God and people. And in fact, if we're not loving people, I don't know if we can say we really love God. And out of this love for people, Barnabas wanted others to know God as well. He wanted others to be able to feel the presence of God in their lives. He wanted others to understand, know the salvation that God gives. He wanted them to know Jesus. And so Barnabas, along with Saul, who's later going to become the Apostle Paul, they were the ones selected to go teach the world about Jesus. Because they were good. They were good They had generosity and compassion. They had a desire that others know God. Those are qualities that would be needed as these two went around the world telling others about Jesus. If I'm going to be good like Barnabas, one of the first things I need to do is obey God in my personal life. I need to be right with God. Because if I'm still weighted down by sin, then I'm not good. I can be made good by God. But if I still have my life weighted with sin, tarnished by sin, then I'm not good yet. Or I might do some good things. I'm not good yet because the evil is still in me. And so we need to be encouraged to be part of Christ. We don't have the record of the conversion of Barnabas. Sometime in the early part of the church, he was baptized, I'm sure, because we see him teaching others to believe in and follow the Lord. 
He was there in Antioch preaching, and there it says a good number of people became Christians there. In fact, that's where the church was first called Christians, where disciples were first called Christians. When Peter is preaching in Jerusalem, the very onset of the church, the very beginning, Acts chapter 2, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Believe in the Lord. Obey Him today. If for some reason you've been hesitating, make the decision today to proclaim your faith that Jesus is the Christ. And call on God for the forgiveness that is offered in Jesus Christ. The instruction is fairly simple. Peter said, be baptized in His name and God will wash away your sins You're now cleansed from sin, cleansed from the evil that we've done in the past. Now we are good because the bad is removed. That blood of Jesus will cleanse us day after day as we seek to follow him day after day. Be added to the church's number. Be added to the Lord. As Barnabas had been and as those who heard him preaching year after year, were added to the church, added to the kingdom of God, added to God.